You have tuned into Sunset Sessions with me, your host, Kenny from Books Actually. And joining me today is Rochelle from Esplanade, Charlene from Singlet Station, and Prashant from The Projector. So today we are going to talk about a topic that is, I guess, very relevant during this time and age, uh, about greening initiatives, climate change, and how these three organisations is looking at this particular area of work in in the organisations that they are a part of. And to begin with, uh, I'm going to break these sessions into like three questions, and three questions will be for all three of you. So your first question is, of course, do give me a brief, brief introduction of the work that you do in your organisation. And of course, uh, what are the sustainability, the greening initiatives that your organisation is currently doing or is planning to do? Hi, I'm Rochelle. I'm with the Esplanade team. Um, I oversee a team of um, uh, colleagues that work together in the areas of venues and planning. Uh, primarily, we look after the mall. We have over 40 tenants in the mall. Um, it's one of the special things about Esplanade as an art centre that we have actually uh, F&B tenants and retail tenants um, and also kind of look at corporate and strategic planning. Um, so on this topic, uh, I have to say that uh, from day one, I think even the design of Esplanade has always taken into account how we can be more energy efficient. Uh, so, you know, we have these magnificent domes. Actually, we have Y-shaped columns that support these domes. Uh, and actually the main function, other than it uh, also looking uh, quite beautiful, is that it collects rainwater, which we then treat and then water our plants, uh, as well as do our general facade cleaning. Uh, and throughout the building, actually, there are these pockets of sunlight or skylights, uh, natural lighting that's introduced into dark areas uh, so that that could, you know, naturally light up the place like along uh, our main uh, theatre street in our basement car park. Um, and, you know, that has helped, I think, uh, bring natural illumination to the, the areas. Uh, but we've been very fortunate. We have worked with our parent ministry, uh, MCCY, and they have supported a lot of our infrastructure upgrades so that we can uh, be more energy efficient. Uh, so we actually were very happy to be awarded awarded BCA's uh, Green Mark Platinum Award in 2018. Uh, and that's largely because we had upgraded our three uh, chiller units and five cooling tower systems. And that helps to cool down the building. So that has actually reduced our energy efficiency by about 25%. So there are a lot of these other uh, facilities-related uh, initiatives that you know the facilities team has been very um, uh, on board with uh, since 2018. Uh, and you know we've actually been able to uh, reduce our you know, so-called carbon footprint in that way. Uh, but internally, I, I think no effort is too small. Uh, we have you know, small initiatives, large initiatives that are funded by MCCY, uh, but we have a Go Green committee that's made up of representatives from different teams that come together to just explore ideas that we can reduce, reuse and recycle. And that can be very, very small things like reminding staff to uh, shut down their computers, turn off the lights when they leave the office, uh, how we can reduce our printing of program booklets and, you know, even um, brochures and all of that to uh, larger initiatives such as like changing to LED lighting, which is actually about a four-year kind of like project uh, because the art centre is quite large and we have um, a lot of areas that we need to take care of from public spaces to actually stage lighting, which is in itself a, a complicated upgrading system. Uh, and that has, um, it's a four-year project and it's actually still ongoing, uh, but in uh, we hope that we can reduce our energy consumption by about 60% with that. I mean, it's really quite amazing to 
to hear firsthand of the work that the Esplanade has been doing. So, I mean, for me as just an audience, you know, who go enjoy a performance at Esplanade, I, w- I would never thought of all these different in- in- initiatives or practices that is happening. So I think for me, uh, that's that's very meaningful. Uh. And, you know, when, when you talk about the Y-shaped columns, now, next time when we go Esplanade, we need to go and, you know, take a look at this Y-shaped column. Because the fact that you are collecting the rainwater, you know, to help with the cleaning on the facade, watering the plants, I, I think that's the that's the best thing because we get a lot of rainfall in Singapore. And, and, and you know, what's the best way of con- conserving water is to save it, right? Uh, what about you, Charlene, from Singlet Station? Hi, so I'm Charlene. Uh, I'm the station controller of Singlet Station. Um, so Singlet Station, um, I guess, as a bit of introduction to what we do, um, we're a major grant company under NAC um, that works with the literary arts in Singapore. So a lot of our work has to do with developing writers in their professional artistic lives um, and also kind of um, working with different communities to try and help them to explore like Singapore literary culture. So I think in contrast to like the estimate, Singlet Station is a very small outfit. Um, we are in a conservation shop house in the middle of Little India, um, which means there's only so much we can do because the infrastructure has already been there and a lot of times because we've already we are renting so there's only so much we can do um, with the landlord's consent as well so on our part I think from a uh, like infrastructure standpoint um, what we have done is like change the fluorescent lights to like LED lights which was a very simple thing to do um, and then um, it helps a lot that we have cats in the office um, and so you know with Calibri which was our first cat and now we have um, two new cat mascots um, Abu and Halia um, a lot of it has to do also with like the kind of environmental products that we use to clean the office. So we try and stay away from Dettol because of like the pine extracts with the uh, animals. But it also means that I'm also looking for more environmentally friendly um, cleaning products, things that doesn't affect the cats. And by product of that is that when it goes into the water system, for example, it doesn't affect um, water for like the larger vicinity as well. Um, and then I think uh, internally, you know, when we talk about like small initiatives that we're trying to do, it's things like, you know, reducing paper like what Rochelle mentioned um, but we've also I think and that's something we can talk about later there's, there's also like kind of trade-offs we have to look at because as much as you want to reduce paper like let's say the amount of survey forms that we have to give out as a major grant company at the same time people don't fill up electronic survey forms and so that's kind of a trade-off that we kind of have to like have to work with you see um, so then it's just um, yeah um, so, that, so those are just some things that we do the survey forms that is the interesting part uh, I know I mean it's still hard to get people to convert sometimes, you know, like, you know, please fill up electronically. And, and I think, to be honest, it can be quite a nightmare because you're going to get a lot of different questions. Oh, no, I can't open the file. Oh, no, I can't find the file. You know, oh, how do I type in the file? And then your mind is like, you click on the thing, you know? But yeah, um, I mean, as, as Rachel was saying you know, earlier that uh, no, no particular action is too small, you know, whether you are in a big organization or a small organization, almost every little uh, things that we do uh, should collectively come to mean something, you know. And uh, changing, uh, even changing uh, the lights in inside office to LED lights, I think you know that's if if almost every single organization can strive to do that, then yeah, it'd be fantastic. Uh, next up, Prashan from the projector. Thanks, Kenny. Uh, hi, I'm Prashan from Projector. We are a cinema uh, operating out of Golden Mile Tower. We currently run three halls uh, with a total capacity pre-COVID at about 500 people in total, but now it's about half of that uh, with all the social distancing. 
in addition to that, we also run a bar um, called Intermission Bar in the foyer, which is a bit of a community space for people to gather before or after the screenings. Um, and, and that's, uh, you know, pride of place in, in Golden Mile Tower. Um, I mean, for us, yeah, I mean, talking about the environment, it's, it's quite interesting because we, the whole project actually came out of um, an adaptive reuse project. Um, the building itself was abandoned. Oh, the cinema halls were actually abandoned more than six years ago, um, left to rot in a way. Um, and the founders, uh, Karen, Blaze, and Sharon, like they were looking at this building and trying to save it by giving it purpose. And you know how in Singapore, on block is actually a very wasteful kind of uh, initiative. So, I mean, for them, it's it's all about trying to find purpose for these older buildings. And that's how uh, Projector started up when they, they came across this with their friend Randy. And yeah, and, and managed to then, you know, bring a whole new audience to the space. So for us, actually, that is quite significant in trying to save a building in a way um, and be environmentally friendly in that sense. Um, yeah, but besides that, it is an old building. There are challenges operating an old building. It's not probably as energy efficient as Esplanade is. Um, we have our own watering system because we have natural leaks coming through the ceilings. So we collect that water and use that for our cleaning. <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> but other than that, I mean, it's, it is always a very cold hall, but it's something that we cannot really control. Everyone complains about it. But because of some central air conditioning system, if we adjust a bit, Somebody else complains on a different floor, and yeah, so that's something that we've come to live with. Um, but for us, I, I guess it's more about using that space to to create space to talk about the environment. So we work a lot with um, embassies, with environmental organizations, offering you know NGO rates for them to to organize screenings and and actually talk you know engage communities and and try and broaden that space um, for issues about environment and try to effect change that way. Um, and, and one of the significant things that we did was as a bar, because uh, we don't have really have cleaning facilities, so we actually use a lot of single-use um, items. And what we did was to consciously shift to environmentally friendly products, so we actually eradicated the use of single-use plastics um, as much as we could um, in order to, you know, um, live by our ethos in a way. Otherwise, it'll be odd, like you're drinking your beer in a plastic cup. Um, while watching a, a movie about the environment. So, I mean, for us, it was, it was a very conscious decision to do it because we do believe in, in the value of that. What, what's exciting now is that um, we also just found an abandoned Chinese disco um, that's uh, in Riverside Point. And so in part of this adaptive reuse, we have actually salvaged um, cinema chairs that were being thrown out by another cinema chair or cinema screens and all that. And we've just put that together, and we're now going to open a pop-up space or screening room just from like salvaged products, and that's going to open in May. So we're quite looking forward to that. And I think when Projector first opened, I think what was quite uh, meaningful for me and, and interesting as well um, was that the original uh, chairs, the original seats were retained. And I know that, yes, some patrons might complain that it's a bit uncomfortable, you know, it's longer that, you know, nice fluffy cushions. But you also uh, had used, I think it was Karen and Sharon during early days, do you, do you use it as a form of fundraiser as well? You know, which you can still do so now where you adopt chat and then your name or the organization names can be there. And I think recently, like, uh, one of the local writers, uh, he was the previous director for SWF. Uh, he had recently adopted two chairs and he actually put his parents' uh, names on it because his parents have since passed. So I thought that was quite 
quite interesting way. So my second question would be like, what are your future plans when it comes to tackling sustainability and, and, and all these greening initiatives? Because uh, it's no longer about doing it for, for the sake of um, PR, you know. It's for the sake of, I guess, uh, the good of, of, of our own organisations. And also the people around us, the, the people who are working with us, you know, for our families, so on and so forth. But I think greening in Singapore and sustainability in Singapore, especially for businesses, it's not a cheap thing. You know, it can be expensive because even we talk about things like, oh, let's change all our lights to LED lights. You know, whether is it a big organization in, in those aspects where you have so many lights, you know, to change and an SLS single station in just one shop house building, you know, but it's still a cost at the end of the day. Yeah, but what are your future plans, I guess, uh, over the next three to five years, I guess? I think um, one of the advantages of uh, working at the Esplanade is that we have space. And I think over the years, we've been able to introduce uh, more greens around the art centre. And I think that's been a great thing. Uh, the Forecourt Garden was done several years ago. Uh, in the beginning, it was just concrete water fountains and it was really quite a kind of cold space uh, but we've been able to introduce a forecourt garden so it's been really lovely to see butterflies and other insects and other that uh, and you know different flora and fauna that we've introduced and I think we have introduced a tour or we are introducing a tour called flora and fauna that you know actually talks about uh, green spaces in, in urban areas and that's very real in Singapore given that we have so little land uh, and so we are actually undergoing a waterfront refurbishment project right now that will look at changing also uh, the landscape along the waterfront introduce more greens uh, even on our roof terrace that has become like a rooftop garden and I know that regularly we have voted one of the romantic spaces right <laughs> to be because it's really quite nice up there and you have a nice view of the Marina Bay so I think we've, we've done our we try to do our best to, to introduce more of these uh, green efforts I mean Esplanade many people don't know is actually a charity right we're a charity a charitable organisation so for us it's about being accountable to the taxpayers dollars and it's very real to us uh, how we can always uh, be make more efficient use of our resources, uh, keep uh, the building in tip-top condition. And that's not an easy task, given that before COVID, we're talking about millions of visitors that come. We're talking about more than 3,500 activities and just ensuring that whoever comes has a good time, but at the same time, um, that we can make all that possible with, uh, you know, uh, with great efficiency as much as possible. So we've been uh, lucky to work with NEA. We are one of their incubators partners and as part of this partnership uh, we look at um partnering with technology solutions provider, service providers to uh, innovate and adopt technologies that will help in the environmental uh, services industry. So with that, with one of the vendors, we managed to use um, this ozone-rich uh, water uh, that apparently uh, has uses less chemicals, uh, less residue, and therefore require less water in cleaning our floors. Uh, and I guess because of the scale of the art centre, every little initiative has got greater impact impact on uh, energy reduction and consumption. Uh, so we've been able to do that. We've also introduced, uh, as part of our more refurbishment project, smart toilets. 
uh, that will help with um, just using sanitary fittings that require less uh, cleaning and all of that. Um, so I think the how we can maintain, how we can use less resources to clean, uh, these are always things that we are on the lookout for. But yes, you are right. It does require resources and we've been lucky on that front. So where we can, the little efforts, when we work with a contractor, uh, like you said about catering company, we've also make sure that they use environmentally friendly products. So it's not just our own efforts, but also the third party vendors that we work with. And a lot of that is our cleaning contractor that we've been able to introduce even for our bin centre uh, to kind of like new enhancements that will look at waste management. So we now actually have a food biodigester that would reduce food waste into uh, water discharge that goes into our sewage system. So uh, it's not just what we have, uh, resources from uh, government, but also working with uh, third-party service providers to reduce our carbon footprint. Okay, I mean, it's, it's, it's good to hear, like, I mean, uh, from, from, from uh, organisations like NEA, you know, and, and of course uh, MCCY, to be supporting uh, as much as possible in terms of uh, Esplanade as entity, because the fact Esplanade itself uh, it's a large organization, uh, and of course, it's a space. When we say large, it's also equivalent to the amount of people that you uh, serve and you see. You know, especially during pre-COVID days. You know, and and I think uh, with such a skill, uh, every almost every single thing that you do, uh, it it multiplies. You know, and, and I think that's always good, lah. Um, I think you're saying like just like at the start about are you planting more trees or? Is it like something like Adopt a Tree sort of initiative or? We do have an Adopt a Tree program um, and that's been quite popular uh, with our donors. Um, so we have trees in our forecourt garden and along the waterfront that are um, adoptable <laughs> that you can adopt and uh, basically dedicate that, that tree uh, to someone in loving memory sometimes. Um, we also have an Adopt a Bench program and it's part of our fundraising. Uh, we, I said earlier that we are a charitable organisation, but it's not just completely funded by uh, the ministry uh, and tote board, but we also actually have to raise a lot of our own money from donors and sponsors in order that we can keep up with uh, the, the free programmes because more than 70% of our over 3,000 activities are actually free uh, and so that the public can come and enjoy the arts and don't have to worry about buying a ticket. Uh, and so, you know, it relies a lot on these uh, kind of like fundraising initiatives that we have of course we'll try and spread a, a message whether it's about greening whether it's about community engagement because I think sometimes the subject about sustainability extends beyond just environmental sustainability as well okay so for the adopt tree uh, for anyone who is interested uh, I, I think they can just go into the Esplanade website and then check it out right because this sort of like uh, because I mean personally over at books actually uh, we didn't know about the Esplanade adopt tree because we we have a, a Adopting trees at NEA that side instead. So I just need to. Yes, I'll contact you after this. <laughs> but I need to change direction a bit. But Shahin, your turn next. So I think um, the way that Student Station goes about it, we usually have um, two areas we look at. One is internally, so how do we kind of operate uh, as a company uh, and how what kind of practices we have going forward. So for example, with Student Station, we actually have a flexible work arrangement. Um, and what that actually means and how it translates to the environment is that we're not always all in the office at the same time, which means we can actually reduce the number of like aircons or lights we use. We only use what we need. Um, and we also function as a co-working space. So like when our tenants come in, for example, um, that, you know, again, we can see 
scale accordingly. So sometimes in the office, you might only have like maybe two people in the morning who are in and then they only use like the fan instead of the aircon, for example, if they're not very heat resistant. Um, yeah, so, you know, but um, and then op operationally, um, also things, for example, like, you know, fundraising perks, we try not to just go for like the cheapest, but we look at like what's more sustainable in terms of materials that we might use. We try as much as possible to look at local like charities or local suppliers so that we don't have to, you know, transport things from overseas, even though, for example, like going to Alibaba might be way cheaper, for example. But, you know, it's kind of like what we also have to look at in terms of what are the costs. Um, we have to weigh them against each other. Um, in terms of programming as well, um, with Singlet Station, um, as much as we try and promote new books, we also promote older books. Because a lot of times with new books, we're always promoting the newest, right? But then we have all these old books. Well, not old, but like, they, you know, they are books that have been around for a long time and they don't get publishers around. So it's about finding like homes for them. So whenever we do programming, we try as much as possible to do a mix of like new as well as like releases that have been around for like one, two years, maybe even older if it's like the Buy Singlet campaign. Um, we also look in terms of programming, um, getting writers who are interested in the environment to kind of either share panel sessions that they might have. We solicited um, uh, proposals from them as well. So um, one of the things that we've been talking about recently with one of the writers is maybe trying to have uh, like a gathering spot where we could gather like old books that people don't want anymore and then maybe turning it into like a compost, for example. Uh, and we've also done things like secondhand book drives within the office as well. Um, we used to do this a lot more before COVID, but yeah, we, we do stuff as that as much as possible. Uh, so we don't just look at like new things, but also how we can kind of reuse what is around us as well. I mean, uh, as a lit literary organization, I mean, at my side, we do a lot of books and publishing. Uh, it's obviously, I guess, to a certain extent, it's almost like a pain point sometimes because the fact that we, we know that when we deal with books, when we publish, uh, we are basically, well, chopping our trees lah, to do it. Whether is it from sustainable forests or not, you know. And most of the time, sometimes we are not able to dictate the printer, you know, hey, you know, you've got to use this sort of paper that we want, you know. And I think uh, that's always the, the biggest challenge, I guess, when it comes to both our organisations. And I think also, I, I guess, with Esplanade and, and maybe even the projector, when we talk about, like, uh, program booklets and, and so on and so forth, right? Because those are resources that we have to produce, you know. But maybe during these COVID days, a lot of things has been online. So maybe that might help to offset all those physical materials that we have to churn out and hopefully people can get used to it, you know, consuming online. I hope. Prashant, how about you? Yeah, I mean, it's true. Like, I think... With COVID, actually, it has accelerated the way people operate in a digital space. Like, so even just how QR codes have proliferated so easily in terms of that. And that's something that we've also looked at um, in terms of cutting down, like printing menus and all that. Um, so that that's definitely something that we'll continue to do and to look at having a green, green lens and everything. But I mean, sometimes the challenges are for this cost that's incurred, like, do you as an organization absorb it? Or do you transfer it to the consumer? And if you transfer it to the consumer, then what's the, you know, do you tend to lose your customers and, the, and that kind of thing? Because we are trying to also make the space accessible. So there's a bit of that um, paradox in a way. And so that, that's always the challenge that we're having whenever you're thinking about green initiatives also. Um, yeah, so for us, I mean, we've also been pushing like even for distributors because sometimes they actually ship um, so it doesn't come in film, it's a digital kind of thing, but this digital box is shipped from like Europe or whatever, um, you know, because sometimes they fear 
sending something digitally and all that. So it's it's a bit of a change management that we also have to like keep asking people like we accept download links, you know, but for them it's piracy and all that other issues also of concern. So I think this this conversation will continue for a bit. Um, we'll just have to push as much as we can and see who are the adopters that you can work with and, and you know, for us to stick with it. Um, yeah, but I mean, for, for us, it's 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 all the small things. I mean, as, as a cinema itself, we are comfortable being a garangoni of cinemas in a way, like, you know, taking things that people don't want because they're not top of the line kind of stuff. And for us, it's okay to create an experience around it as long as you're creating valuable space for people who need that kind of space. Um, so for us, I mean, like even now at the Riverside Point, the, the screen that we're using as a second-hand screen, it's not going to be a perfect uh, kind of screen, but we'll find an audience and people who would want to, to come to that space and who are comfortable in, in operating that space. And for us, you know, it's, it's a bit of a compromise, but it's also about keeping things accessible to other people at a lower cost. It's always like this challenge, right? I think it's not just a for-profit uh, challenge, but it's also the same thing for the non-profits, right? Where how do we make the numbers, you know, that it makes sense uh, for, for this entity to well, not just survive, but operate, right? And I think it's of course uh, definitely with COVID-19, it has presented a uh, different set of challenges. Lah. I mean, one year in, I think all of us are still trying to figure out, you know, what are some of the best practices, like like in the case of, of, our, of our end, uh, because we've gone online, so we'll print out all the orders that comes in every day, right? And now we're trying to figure out, like, we've done a whole year of printing out paper orders, so it goes with every order that goes out. But is there any way that we can do it with that? you know, and have it all on a screen, you know. But as I said, we need to convince uh, our customers that they do not need that piece of paper. And most of the time, we try to avoid it, lah, but we get complaints, but who else? That's that's a challenge, which I think, uh, which is not always a bad thing. Lah. It just forces us to find better solutions, I think. Uh, now comes for my third and last question, uh, which is the tougher question, I, I hope. <laughs> Maybe a minister of Pumsec might be listening to this. Uh, for for all the for all organizations that you are running, you know, at the moment, uh, and of course with the current practices that you're adopting and future practices that you you'll be planning ahead, and of course the challenges that you face, you know, adding more so during this pandemic that's not going to go away anytime soon. Any wish list, you know, from from the ministry or from the board that you hope to to have, you know, to be rolled out, not just the non-arts organisations. Actually, I think that one of the greatest challenges is actually mindsets. And as much as sometimes I get really angry when people print things and don't watch what they're printing or don't set settings correctly and they just end up with so much wastage, um, it, it's not in everyone's consciousness. Right? And it goes beyond making sense of the numbers. It goes beyond arguing about energy savings or cost savings that you can derive from adopting certain technologies. Um, and I think so it should be in mindsets and companies can always do more to build that mindset or, or educate their own staff, but also in, in schools, right? Uh, I mean, I, 
I think it's been great in schools. My, my daughters actually keep telling me about recycling and reducing and reusing. And so they're changing everything I have in the house from cardboard boxes to suddenly become toy cars and they use like plastic containers and then they make pen holders. And I think it's great. Of course, it fills up the house with more junk <laughs> sometimes. Uh, but I think it's great. And then they question me when they sometimes see me using straws and all that. So I think it's, it's great and it's starting at a very young level. Uh, and certainly, you know, in organisations, we, uh, we can do more of that. Um, but I think that uh, on a bigger scale, um, I mean, and I'm not an expert in this, we can adopt all the technologies we want. We can try and reduce as much waste. But at the end of the day, if the clean energy is not a clean energy source, I'm not sure how much carbon footprint we are actually reducing as a country uh, and, you know, so globally trying to do our bit in, in um, the whole uh, climate change issue. Sometimes we are just, I guess, whether Esplanade, Singlet Station or Projector, I think uh, at the end of the day, we are also not the ones running the policies up there, right? So, so I think that's always the biggest challenge. I mean, it sounds really, I don't know, uh, pessimistic here, but uh, I think as, as long as we keep on engaging, I think it's all about engaging and, and, and to be honest, it's a wish list, you know, it's, I'm not saying that, you know, we, we put it out there and then we want to see it happening because obviously, again, there are different priorities, you know, and, and, and of course now being COVID-19, things are a bit different, but then I, I always have this, but then, you know, because we are Singapore, we are efficient, we are like, you know, number one and almost everything, you know, and if we can apply that mindset, we can achieve a lot of great things, you know, especially towards uh, sustainability and, 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 and tackling climate change because when we know that we tackle it, it's not just for, for us, you know, uh, who is living out the rest of our years, though some of you in this room are really young. <laughs> not, not for me specifically anymore, you know, but, uh, um, but it's for future generations, you know, and they are the most immediate impact, I guess, you know. So, Charlene, next one. Um, I think for me, it's um, I guess it's it's accessibility, especially for smaller organizations like mine that don't have the space to do additional things, you know, um, uh, or rather the resources even. So, like in our area, for example, there's only like one recycling bin near me. It belongs to a hostel, which has told us not to use it because it's theirs and it's for their patients. So then, for us to then, you know, like for us, if we want to do, which we 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 tried to do recycling, and then we have to like lug it all the way to some other recycling bin, which is like not in our area at all. So then I think it's just these small things where, you know, uh, enabling both individuals as well as small organisations to medium to large organisations to actually be able to implement these things as well. Because it's been drummed to us that it's something that we should do. And yes, we know we should do. But at the end of the day, it's all practicality as well, right? Like what can we actually carry out? <laughs> Um, yeah, because as much as we recycle, as much as we, for example, at the moment, like keep aside our recycling, there's also like certain plastics you have to keep with certain things. But then when you put the recycling bin, it all get mixed up together again. Then like I separate everything for what you know what I mean. So it's it's, it's these kind of things as well. And I think like um, on a, on a larger scale, um, having co coalitions or at least listening to the environmental arts groups a bit more about what we can be doing and making it practical they have the resources to make it practical for us to also follow it yeah I think I think that would be at the end of the day like just listening to what the environmental arts groups are saying um, and then if they can make it practical it makes it easier for the rest of us to also make it practical because right now we're all doing small individual efforts which is actually adding up to a lot more 
than if there was a combined effort. Yeah, I mean, um, so for both our organizations, both uh, Simply Station and uh, Books, actually, we are all in the same uh, GRC. <laughs> You're right about a recycling bin because uh, my my team are uh, are really like eco warriors. They're like they're like Captain Planet and the team, right? And I'm the one I'm the one uh, that always gets most arrows from from them. Because like I I might drink like a can of red brew, then they say, Can you go rinse it, rinse it, and then dry it so we can bring it to the recycling bin? And I know that in our in our area that's they actually have to walk quite a bit just to get to a recycling bin. And for a long time we didn't know where it was, right? And then finally we found an app that showed all the recycling bins in the vicinity. So then we knew where the nearest one to us was. But these are things that which, you know, if we knew it existed, like oh it made communication then. Like it exists, but then communicating to us that it exists, for example. It exists, right? And, and I think yeah, la, I mean, there should be much more active engagement, you know, as, especially of uh, all the different uh, establishments within, say, our area, you know. There's a lot of F&B establishments as well, right? So, yeah, more, more engagement. Uh, Prashant, what about you? Well, I guess for us, I mean, besides all the initiatives that we are doing as an organization and as individuals also, I mean, I think there's probably going to, there should be a mix of like legislation and, and incentives coming from the government side. Like, because, I mean, you know, the government is very ready to legislate on a lot of things. I think environmental issues or sustainability issues is something that they can do a bit, um, probably with a stronger arm, but then soften it with like incentives to help companies and, and smaller entities manage. Uh, um, I mean, what I would like to see, like this whole plastic bag issues and all, like whether, you know, that can be banned at some point. Like, I know we're inching our way towards that, but um, I think this is something that can come. And so from an industry, like say within the cinema industry, if we, if there's a ban on single use, um, you know, plastics for all the consumables that we're doing at the concession stands and all that, I think that would be a great way to go ahead but it needs to come with some kind of incentive for us to switch into like a eco i mean we've done it but at cost uh to the organization and it's the same like you know you do your little bit but then you go somewhere else and it's, it's like an ntuc when i'm like okay I, I don't take plastic bag but the auntie in front of me can i have two plastic bag please you know for that small thing so it's a bit frustrating and you see yourself going to this effort absorbing the cost but sometimes bigger organizations don't really care and are then you know doing three times worse of what you're trying to do so i think it's a bit of legislation that applies across the board but then also incentives to encourage all of us to to switch to more sustainable products would be a great thing yeah right i mean i mean if we look at just usage of plastic bags right in singapore you just need to walk down the street and then turn left, turn right, you will see someone using a plastic bag, right? And it'd be best, obviously, if uh, the government uh, using legislation takes the lead and say that, you know, hey, you know, let's Singapore shall, shall ban the use of single-use plastic bags, you know? Uh, and, and in a sense, people would fall in line, you know? But of course, in saying so, once we do that, uh, it's not going to impact uh, Esplanade or like single station or like books actually because well, we we don't use it as much as as you do as an F and B operator, right? And 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 how does that legislation uh, affect you in terms of your bottom line? You know, and it doesn't matter whether it's whether it's a non-profit or for-profit because it will affect the numbers and 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 how can that legislation be be not just beneficial for the environment, but at the same time, I think that's something that they really need to look hard 
you know, and then figure out, you know, and and I'm not saying that they should give subsidies or like freebies or like, you know, there needs to be a much more rounded solution. And the solution should always be like, look at every three years, every five years to tweak it along, right? Because based on whatever is happening during that time. I think that's end of this sunset sessions. Thank you so very much, my three guests. Uh, I will just like end with vending machine that exists not in Singapore, but is it in other parts of the world where if you have an empty bottle, of course you must rinse it and clean it already, like mineral water bottle, right? You can actually put it in a vending machine and then in return, it will give you some money in return or vouchers in return. That's not a bad thing, you know? Vending machines dotted all over, hopefully using, you know, green power resources, I don't know. And then, you know, you have an empty recycle, you know, like a plastic bottle and then you put it in and then it gives you 20 cents back. I'll be there. I'll be there all the time. Um, maybe, I mean, there should be a lot more solutions. Lah, you know, there should really, really be a lot more solutions. And, and sometimes I think there should also be much more communications, engagements and publicity. Like, I mean, internally, over end, to be honest, we are not the most green conscious uh, entity for books actually. But in terms of like, how we have seen our publishing go because we have, we have our publishing, we will print a thousand copies of a particular title and we know that, hey, you know, those are trees that we are consuming. And so we decided to adopt a tree for every book that we publish. But also we know that, to a certain extent, it's, it's a gesture, yes, but it's a gesture that might not be enough, you know. And how do we rally um, more people or the people that we know, you know, uh, to donate trees as well, you know. So yeah, I will help uh, explain it because I, I know people like uh, the boss of Singlish Station, Joshua. You know, he would definitely be happy to donate a tree now that I put his name out here. <laughs> yeah, and he will dedicate to his uh, newly born son, uh, Nathan, Nathan Nip. So, explain we have one more tree soon, <laughs> but uh, that's all we have for today. Thank you so much for all your time, and uh, I had a great time talking to all of you. And I hope uh, for the folks who are listening you know, to this podcast that. Uh, you guys will also think, you know, about the things that we have said, you know, and, and, and how uh, each and all of us can do our part as well. But this has been your host, Kenny from Books Actually. Tune in for the next episode tomorrow at 7pm. Sunset Sessions is produced by Mama Magnet in collaboration with CIFA 2021. To tune into other episodes, head to www.cifa.sg or search cifa.sg on Spotify.